Boy, look here, we got something for you. Welcome to the Western Devs Podcast. This is episode number three, recorded on July 17th, 2015. Today's discussion centers around the definition of DevOps and how we see its rise changing how we develop software. Today's contributors are Dylan Smith, an ALM consultant for Imaginet, Dave White, an independent developer and ALM consultant, Kyle Belay, a principal engineer at ClearMeasure, James Chambers, a senior engineer at ClearMeasure, Amir Barulko, an independent software consultant, and Simon Timms, a senior engineer at ClearMeasure. Okay, so today's topic is going to be DevOps. So DevOps is a, one of these great catchphrases you see thrown around a lot these days. Everybody wants to do DevOps, everybody's hiring DevOps people, everybody wants to buy a DevOps. But to me, it's not a particularly well-defined term. It means a lot of different things to different people. So what is DevOps? I was going to start with that same question, too, because I was uh, looking up stuff. Is, is it an actual person, or is it a, is it a movement? Uh, I could take a crack at it. I do a lot of talking about DevOps with my clients right now. And uh, like Simon said, you ask five different people what is DevOps, you're probably going to get five different answers. So the way, the way I like to think about it, uh, uh, kind of two different ways I think about it. One way is I, I make an analogy to what happened with testers in the last 10 years. Right, 10, 15 years ago, development teams and testers tended to be very separate uh, teams. Right, developers would go and code, 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 and at the end of the project, they'd throw it over the wall to the testers, right, and testers would test it. And we all learned that doesn't really work very well. Uh, so now most companies are more integrated, right, where devs and testers are working together on the same team at the same time. And I think we've made a lot of progress there. Uh, in my mind, one way to think about DevOps is kind of doing the same thing with development teams and operations teams, which are uh, tend to be very separate right now, kind of like development and testing used to be. Another way I like to think about it is if you think about uh, continuous delivery, right? A uh, very trendy practice right now. Some of these companies are deploying into production many times a day. So if you think about a typical team that may deploy, let's say, once a month is pretty pretty typical with my clients. And you tell that team, instead of deploying once a month, I want you to deploy five times a day, right? In order to make that shift, there's a lot of stuff that team needs to do. Uh, practices they need to put in place, culture that needs to change. So all that stuff, that's DevOps. So continuous deployment in that case would be kind of an end goal of adopting uh, uh, DevOps culture. Yeah, I think DevOps might be, is, is probably, I consider it a little bit more than just getting to continuous delivery. But when you think about going from one release a month to continuous delivery, I mean, that if you when you think about how to do that, that encompasses an awful lot of what I consider so it sounds to me like you're covering off. You're talking a lot about the story that is right after you run your build. That is what's getting that out there to people so that they can see it right away. But to me, there's also another part of this as well, which is monitoring what you have out there. So getting metrics back, getting real-time data off of the system so that you know when stuff is failing, when there are problems out there, hopefully before your users are even aware of it. Uh, so there's lots of tools out there that kind of enable that scenario. So that, to me, is also part of the whole idea of DevOps. Yeah, I think that's um, uh, that's certainly become more popular, the, um, the idea of collecting 
um, you know, log entries or, or stats D or even to some degree business metrics, you know, Google Analytics or, or Mixpanel or those things. I think the underlying theme from, from the definition that I like about DevOps is continuous communication between, you know, not just developers and testers, but developers and uh, operations people and the business, you know, is kind of an extension of Agile in that sense where you're con- instead of constantly talking between the development team and the business, you're constantly talking between development and, you know, other IT infrastructure people. I think in um, in a lot of cases, in a lot of different business sectors, people think that there's going to be some kind of um, benefit by creating these very, like creating specialists in very uh, specific parts of the, the pipeline, be it development of a document or a product or a piece of software. And I think what DevOps is, is just... Like you know, I've kind of thought of it as as realizing that you have to have an understanding of those other pieces as well, and that there may be specialists at different endpoints or at different points along the way. I.e., this person is going to know your QA tools really well, whereas this is somebody who can analyze and make use of this data captured from whatever analytics tooling you've got. But that knowing that all all like kind of understanding what ha- what is happening at all those pieces and acknowledging the fact that all of those things are needed to run together. So you know, when you talk about DevOps, uh, like if, if somebody's hiring a DevOps person, like wh- what does that mean in this model? I don't, I don't think I've got an answer for that yet. Um, I don't think I understand fully what, what that would mean, but I think that at least as a minimum, it's somebody who understands different components of those pipelines and probably specializes in at least one of them. Well, that's why I think it's, it's better defined as uh, a cultural Thing rather than an actual than a role in your company like how can you hire a, a devops person if the underlying practice is communication between your teams it's it's like you know i, I want to hire somebody that can talk to developers and and talk to the operational people or people that can talk to the qa testers what is a devops person well dylan and i had this conversation last year at this mvp summit on the bus we're like because everybody's talking DevOps, DevOps, and it's a new thing. And it, like I, I agree with Kyle, it's a cultural thing. It's a marketing movement, but there's actually nothing that I've seen that's radically new. There's no new practices. There's no role-specific practices that have come out of this. It's just a. It's it's like agile. Agile was just the community coming around and giving a name to all things that they were already doing. Right, it's and, it's more like uh, and, and, codifying existing practices rather than saying let's define something. It's you know a bunch of companies were doing this and they saw that it worked, um, so they said, well, we should give this a name. But I think when you know we have quote unquote DevOps people at work and they're more or less involved with uh, the delivery of the application. You know, it's it's scripting up TeamCity, it's spinning up. Uh, virtual machines so you can test things on it's setting up the production environment um, and automating all that and I think automation is part of that but is that kind of what people mean when they say we need a DevOps person is it's really well, just maybe, an operations maybe person that can script things up 
maybe that's what we kind of need to look at it then is is what are the qualities of it? like I mean if when we, st we start talking about you know um, I think it was Dave that was talking about um, uh, agile there you can start saying these are the qualities of an agile team and I understand that's going to be you know again different on who you talk about but I mean Kyle, you just mentioned automation so I think that most people would agree that some form of automation is is a quality of a culture of DevOps but what would the other qualities be I don't know that I would agree with that statement. Just I don't know that automation, like the actual practice of doing things that way, is a part of DevOps. That just makes your practice. It's just the idea culturally that we care about the whole life, the whole ecosystem of this application or the system and where it lives and sits, and the feedback we get from watching it work feeds into the ongoing evolution of that product, and that we we care when we're building the product about the people who have to take care of it. But it's still, I mean, I think automation is an important part of it, even if it's not kind of built into the uh, into the DNA of DevOps. Maybe that's arguable. But prior to this having a name, there was always a culture of, of being dev complete. You know, I've finished coding my stuff. I'm done. My job is finished. Um, whereas now, you know, we all know that once your coding is, there's a, a lot of work to be done between the time you commit your code and the time it actually gets in front of a user. And I think with DevOps, there's more of an encouragement to have the developers, if not involved in that process, then certainly aware of it. To say, you know, just because you're done your code doesn't mean your job is, is over. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And the operations people, you know, the DBA, the, the scripters that deploy it, they need to know some information about this code. And Dave, I know Dave is very focused on, like, the, the culture aspect, right? The way Dave has described it to me when we discussed this, right, is these technical things are almost like second tier. What he cares about is the culture that we respect each other and we're all involved in the process. But I think, too, that if you look at a team that doesn't have that culture and a team that does have that culture the team that does have that culture probably does a bunch of things differently. And these are some of these things, like automating all the stuff, no downtime deployments, testing and production, canary testing, uh, you know, config as code, all these technical practices that kind of fit under DevOps. But I think there's, there's definitely a culture aspect, too, and I consider the two kind of equal. There's a bunch of technical stuff that kind of DevOps represents, and there's definitely a culture thing uh, with getting the, the dev team and the ops team working more closely together. And I think... Uh, historically and currently, that's a, the, a huge challenge for some of my clients, right? If you go from once a month releases to five times a day releases, well, the, the way ops does things and thinks about things, they can't have their change advisory board meetings every two weeks, their changes and stuff. Uh, that whole culture and the, and the way they do their work needs to change. And I think one of the challenges is how they're uh, incented at a lot of companies today, or maybe just uh, their implied incentives Right, ops are very much incented, or believe they're incented, mm -hmm. around uh, keeping your production infrastructure healthy and up and available and reliable. So if that's their goals, change is their enemy. Right, every deployment, every release is just an opportunity uh, for things to go down, for things to break. Uh, so in their uh, kind of incentive model or implied incentive model, they, they want to resist change, they want to minimize change, and developers want to change fast, fast, fast. Right, we kind of embrace the agile thing. Now, that's, that's obviously a, uh, a wrong incentive model in my mind, and the business probably doesn't mean for them to be incented that way, right? Uh, ops should be incented to meet the business goals, just as developers. But I think historically, and a lot of my clients today, 
that's not how they think. They think about uptime and availability, and that's their goals, and that's what they care about, and change is their enemy. So I think DevOps, the culture change that comes with DevOps, definitely has to change that mental model. Yeah, and I think one of the things that can help with that is showing operations that what you have is a repeatable and reliable way to deploy your applications, and that comes from having this configuration as code and having some sort of a process in place that you know that you can click a button and you can get the deploy out there each time and that it doesn't introduce any opportunity for problems. And to me, that should be that should be a really good thing for ops to have. It, that They should feel really good about that because I have been in many scenarios where when we throw the code over the fence, we throw the code, but we also throw a 90-page document, which is how to deploy this application, which is a bunch of screenshots of how you set up IIS and how you set up the database and all of these other things, and that is incredibly error-prone. Nobody wants to go through a document of that length with 100 steps in it and hope that they got everything right. They want to have that repeatability, so this should it should provide a, some peace of mind to operations to have that. Okay, so I'm not saying that automation isn't good, or to Dylan's point, or to ask Dylan, do any of us identify as DevOps professionals, or are we just good technology professionals? I'd say a vast majority of what I do would, would now be considered DevOps. You asked me a year or two ago, and I would have said it's all ALM, but DevOps has kind of co-opted half of the ALM stuff and is now called DevOps. But that's a relabeling versus um, a professional direction change, though, is it not? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think of DevOps as a subset of what I used to consider ALM. Right? It's all the kind of stuff around production and what happens once it's in production, whereas ALM covers all that and ideation and project planning and tracking and all that stuff, agile. So in my mind, I view DevOps as a subset of what we've been calling ALM for, for a long time. But, like, in this group, we've all done automation. We all probably all started using things like App Insights or New Relic or something like we're putting we're we're thinking about watching our applications as they're actually being used. You know, even A B split testing is a in my opinion a form of DevOps because it's just bringing the sales or the business organization into watching the application getting used. So we've all been doing these things for probably four or five, maybe longer in most cases, but I don't identify as a DevOps person, but I respect the culture and the rallying call that the industry has to get more common people, like or common, is, that's a terrible word, get more of common. the average developer who's not exposed to the same level as maybe we have been to these practices and just give them something to call it. Yeah, well, you say it's not new, and uh, sure, there's some teams that have been doing this kind of stuff for a long time since before we called it DevOps, but to most teams, well, they don't do this stuff. This is new to most teams. I wouldn't say that I identify with the DevOps culture to some degree, but in this, in the way that uh, Dave indicated, is because I want to see my application, you know, pushed to production once I'm done writing my code. I'm interested in how Team City works. I'm, I want to know how Octopus is is pushing things out. Like where, you know, do I have to build a NuGet package for people to use it? Uh, I, I want to see how Docker can make this even easier. That's more uh, partially because I'm interested in that kind of thing, but it's also an inherent desire to see an end product, to, to have you know more or less some closure to what I've been working on for the last two months. 
This is probably a bit of a tangent, but I think that attitude is something that fits well in the culture of DevOps as well. Because, um, you, like you know, you're if you're on a project where you don't know um, these pieces, and you're the kind of person who's going to go forward and say, "Well, I want to learn about this. I want to get New Relic installed. I want to use some kind of tool to automate my my database deployment into an unknown environment," and you seek that stuff out, even that attitude of wanting to go and discover those things, I think those have to be part of that kind of DevOps kind of culture as well. Right. I was going to um, mention that earlier is that something related to that is, you know, DevOps is a name for a certain way of running your project. You know, it could be a methodology or, or a culture. But I think if you're going to sit down and say, well, our culture isn't working, let's go to DevOps. I have a feeling it's more of a case where I want to get to the point where I can deliver more often, where I can get involved my users more often, involve my QA testers, and then, oh, by the way, this is called DevOps. Well, that just makes it easier for me to, to Google that term rather than saying I want my organization to become a DevOps organization. It's, it's almost like you can't force DevOps on an organization that doesn't have that culture to begin with. That be well, that very similar to Agile, right? Agile is just a name we gave to a bunch of practices that people were doing before we called it Agile. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing, right? A name is a name is useful. Rally in in that respect, is there um, there? I don't see as much of a backlash against DevOps as you do for you know, say microservices, which we talked about, or or even Agile. From what I can tell, there isn't as much negative press saying, no, you shouldn't do DevOps. There are people bitching saying, we've been doing DevOps and we've called it blah, 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 which is always the case in the software industry. Oh, just give it time. Well, it's not a well-defined enough term yet for people to hate it on it. I saw one article that said uh, DevOps was bad, but that's based on the definition they give to DevOps, which is a developer that does operational stuff, which I, I don't know if anybody would, would consider... DevOps. It's like you're a developer. You shouldn't be doing DBA roles. You're a developer. You shouldn't be, you know, writing your your deployment scripts. And I don't think that's an even remotely accurate depiction of I think, what DevOps is. Yeah, I think the movement is still fairly new. Like if you look at at, at Agile uh, when it first came out, all right, there was a small number of people who were already doing it, and they obviously aren't going to backlash. They were doing it because they thought it was good. And then it came out, and, and you know, people who hadn't done Agile heard about Agile and said, we're going to try Agile. And a lot of people failed uh, for a number of reasons, uh, right? And then the backlash started. So I think we'll probably see some of that in DevOps, people who had you know, never done it or considered it before, and they see all the hype, and they try to, you know, install DevOps in their organization and fail. But the, um, the, the method of getting there is, seems a lot more concrete in uh, the DevOps side of things. It's like talk to people more and, and get your product in front of people faster. Um, you know, is there a scenario where that's not really a, a good goal? Well, I think, I think so. Like, imagine you take an organization that releases once a month and you tell them we want to do continuous delivery, mm -hmm. release multiple times a day, and they just start releasing multiple times a day, right? And they don't have right. all the good practice in the automation and the testing. Things will get pretty scary pretty quickly. Yeah, they'll release and then, crap and a lot of bugs right. and we won't know what to do with it. They're, they're basically releasing patches five times a day. 
Right, and then they're going to go write a blog post and say this DevOps thing is crap. Yeah, I suppose. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I never hey. thought that DevOps actually is a big methodology because, like, big companies, for many years, they, they have dedicated teams to make deployments and to make builds and dedicated to that. Automated or not, otherwise, the question would be, if you have a team that does all the builds, right, dedicated to that, and they do scripting, it's not as automated as we like. We won't call them DevOps. I think if they're communicating amongst each, each uh, amongst themselves and trying to get the product out as fast as their organization will let them, then that would qualify, would it not? I guess it depends on your definition of DevOps. As DevOps, that exactly that to improve your deployment and your builds and, and help you out with that. Even if you do automation, no, I, I don't think that automation or um, how often you release or continuous integration would be fine. We're, we're losing you, Amir. How about now? It's a little bit better. Back. But that's, I mean, that's an interesting point, is that the, the overall goal is to try to release as fast as your organization will let you and you know, but automation, uh, sorry, automation is the obvious way of getting to that goal. Um, so even if you're not doing it, it's it's hard to argue that there's that you shouldn't be working towards it, even if you're not doing it now. I don't think it's it's super helpful to think about is my organization doing DevOps or not doing DevOps. It's not a very useful question, right? Uh, DevOps is a bunch of practices that are generally considered good things to be doing. So I think it's more important to focus on the practices and the, and the reasons people adopt those practices rather than to think, are we DevOps or not? You know what I mean? It just makes it easier to Google. If you're looking at, you know, how can we improve our practice, we we want to do all these things. Uh, just look, Google, what are other companies doing for DevOps? So, so if I'm if I if I'm the kind of developer that finds myself in an organization or working with a client that does not want to adopt those practices, then what are the kinds of things that I need to be doing myself? It's it's uh, in order to start getting those um, changes to start to happen. Like if Dylan, you're saying the. the the change is enemy in, especially in some you know public sector companies, some larger things. Telecom, I know that's something that I saw as just it's like this is a no-fly zone. We are not doing continuous deployment. How do you how do you start or continuous delivery? How do you how do you start making those changes? Culture, you probably got to start with culture and having conversations. Conversations with the ops teams first of all, right? Uh, figure out what their concerns are. If you tell them we want to release once a day. Right, their their minds will probably explode, and then hopefully you can have a productive conversation about why are, are they uh, afraid of that? Why do they think that's a problem, and what can we do to address those problems? And you probably don't want to go from once a month to once a day, right? You want to slowly, incrementally uh, increase uh, the frequency of your deployments. That's right. I think you can instead of saying I want to do it once a day, you know, make it happen. Just wander over there and say, hey, how can we make this go smoother? You know, even if it's just automating some SQL scripts for, for database deployments. Yeah, well, I think testing, right? A lot of testing needs to be automated. You can't have, you know, uh, a week of manual testing and user acceptance testing every deployment when you're releasing once a day. So that's, that's going to be a huge concern or a huge area where you need to do a lot of stuff. I think it's something that you can implement horizontally as well, too. Like, 
automate everything, improve everything that deploys to your development environment. And then once that's good, then you you apply that same sort of logic to get everything up to the this testing environment and the staging environment. And eventually, when people see that, hey, look at how well we can deploy right up until the step right before we go live, then it should give some confidence in, hey, we only need to do that one more step to to bridge the gap to get this out to people much more frequently with much better reliability. Related to that, it's also um, if you can automate a manual process that takes two days down to, say, 15 minutes, um, that's very measurable from a cost perspective. And that holds a lot of weight to you know, the stakeholders. If you can tell them, look, if we can bring this process that takes $2,000 down to 150 measured amongst how many deployments you do during a, um, uh, during a certain period, I think that would hold a lot of weight. Developers tend to forget about the, the fact that somebody's got to pay for all of this. So just devil's advocate for a moment here. So I can release faster. How does that actually make me a DevOps shop? Well, like I said, I don't think it's very helpful to think, are we a DevOps shop or not? Right? Well, I understand that. I, I agree, you know, I'm just saying, like, I'm not sure, I, you know, I'll, maybe I'll, I'm focusing on different things, but I don't see automation as being a characteristic of a team that says they're doing DevOps. It's something that they will probably do. I think it's a goal want. More, than, more than a characteristics. A characteristic uh, is something uh, that... I'd say the goal is releasing often. Right. And automation is a, is a necessary thing you need to put in place in order to release often. What if you don't need to release often? Well, why would you not want to release often, or at least not have the capability of releasing often? Well, let me ask you, Simon. Okay. What is what is often? I mean, let me Just ask you, question, Simon. So, I mean, I think I think we all on this on this call kind of know and believe that releasing more frequently is better. But but let's let's assume that I, that I didn't believe that that I that I believe once a month is more than enough. So, Simon, why is releasing more frequently better? Uh, so to me, one of the more compelling reasons is around security. If you discover a problem in your application, if there's some sort of security hole in your application that you need to be able to patch it, throwing that patch into some sort of a two-month-long deployment cycle puts your product at risk, it puts your customers at risk. So it's really compelling in my mind to be able to say, okay, well, we've got the security fix, we've tested it, and now we want to be able to deploy it tomorrow and to be able to get it out there right away. And then even just deploying new features or deploying fixes, I have always been of the opinion that end users are forgiving so long as you're quick to admit fault and quick to fix the problem for them. So if you're going to deploy something that is in some way broken or you've changed some behavior that they rely on, then they're going to be mad initially. But if you can say, oh, yeah, we, we screwed that up, will for sure fix that and then have a fix out to them in 20 minutes or an hour. I mean, that, that blows their mind. They're just so happy that somebody has to listen to them and that there's a deployment out there right away. So I think it improves quality. I think it improves the, the sense of community that you have with your end users, that they know that they're getting quick responses to stuff, that there's somebody listening to them. And I think it helps from a security point of view. I agree that those are awesome things if that's what you need. I still am not certain that I, every situation, having the ability to 
I think it's great to be able to deploy on demand as you discover new information about the environment or about needs or about how things are behaving. But if you're not actually paying attention to how are things behaving, what are the needs, what are what is the environment around us, and you're not baking that into your application in the first place to be able to provide that information to you, the ability to release faster is, again, great, but not it's not actually necessarily helpful. So you're saying that if I write software that is not what my end users want because I haven't listened to them, then DevOps isn't going to help me. I don't think so. Or if you are not like if you don't have App Insights plugged into your application to actually well, tell you about how it's working. I think so you're this, this, yeah, this is two separate things to me here. The first one is being able to monitor your application because if you're looking at it from Application Insights, the best that you're going to get out of that is what is the health of my application and how frequently are people doing specific tasks, or maybe at best you might be able to say how quickly are people able to perform some common activity. So that, that's one thing, that's the automation side of things. But then there's the having to go out and talk to people and figure out what it is that they want and understand their requirements, and that's a, that's a whole different thing. So that, to me, doesn't necessarily fall under DevOps. It might fall under the larger umbrella that Dylan would call ALM, but I don't think it falls under the, the DevOps umbrella necessarily. But the monitoring story, that totally, in my mind, falls under the DevOps umbrella. I, I don't know. In my well, mind, that all falls under the DevOps. Like, like in my mind, the, historically, dev teams have had very little to do with the app once it gets into production. Right now, it's operations problem. So in my mind, kind of anything that's going on in operations is part of DevOps, right? So there's monitoring the health and there's and there's monitoring the usage and uh, I think one of the things that me and Dave have talked about, I think Dave was getting at, is uh, when you get good feedback ne mechanisms in production, you can start to think more about uh, building your backlog as as uh, experiments. I think if I add this feature or change this feature, it'll change the user's behavior in this way. And I'm going to code it, I'm going to deploy it, and I'm going to and I'm going to instrument it. And immediately get feedback. Are users using this feature I just deployed? Is it changing their behavior in the way I expected to? Yes or no? Let's do something different. But you're not saying that business no, analysis no. should fall under the DevOps umbrella, right? I think it. I think I, I. When people certainly when people talk to me about it, uh, they seem to include it, and I think I would too. Uh, when I talk about DevOps, in my mind, it seems that's to me like a small oh. It seems to me like the path to absolutely everything is DevOps. Well, everything and operations related, right? Yeah, like initial what, business analysis isn't operations related. Well, it starts to overlap once you kind of get some of these practices in place, right? You start to use uh, feedback and, and data that you gather from apps in production to drive your your analysis and, and backlog grooming. Well, and I mean, Dylan, you just said something, and maybe it's it just popped into my head to help us clarify what is DevOps. Maybe the way I can say it is that DevOps is a cultural imperative to create feedback mechanisms that provide information about applications in production. Now, whatever that feedback mechanism is, is it healthy? Is it performant? Is it being used the way we want? And then that, that feedback gets re-injected into the development lifecycle. But it's I not the development it's not the I development lifecycle. Yeah, I think that's part of DevOps. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's all of DevOps. 
So um, I just pulled up, uh, because the internet is always uh, true, um, I pulled up the definition of uh, DevOps on, on Wikipedia here. I'm just going to read it really quickly. DevOps is a software development method that emphasizes communication, collaboration, integration, automation, and the measurement of cooperation between software developers and other IT professionals, acknowledging the interdependence of software development, quality assurance, and IT operations. So that's, I just kind of paraphrased there, but that's kind of the, um, the definition that they laid. So I think there's elements of, of what you have said, uh, Dylan, and I think there's elements there that you've said uh, as well, Dave. And I think there's, I think it just kind of shows though that the term DevOps is so broad that if you're trying to pigeonhole it, then I, I mean, it's not going to work, right? Well, and I think uh, they're talking very much about like the, um not necessarily like practices, right? We, we DevOps means uh, collaborating and communicating better, and 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 that's all great. But I think it's also useful to think about if you have a team that does those things versus a team that doesn't do those things. You know, kind of what is the difference between those two teams? And then you can start to look at some of the practices that teams that do the DevOpsy thing are, are going to adopt. And I think that you know a lot of the DevOps practices. You know, teams that practice the Wikipedia definition definitely adopt different technical practices too. And I think it's mentioned automation right in there, which is interesting. Right, and just because you have the ability to deliver five times a day doesn't mean you you have to. I mean, you have to have some business value for doing it. So, I mean, earlier we talked about what if you don't want to deliver quicker. I mean, then then don't. But just because you don't want to doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to when the need arises. Yeah, and you know that saying that those other elements of DevOps, and, and again, you know the communication, the strength in the process of deployment, and um, the the one click or the automated way to deploy. Um, saying that those aren't important because you don't want to release five times a day is kind of missing the point, I think, in some respects. Because even in an organization where you don't need to release five times a day or you don't want to for whatever reason, the idea of the security. Um, fix, like Simon suggested earlier, is a, is exactly something, you know, like I was talking about one of the slow to change ones in the telecom industry, where they, they have a scheduled upgrade every six months. Well, that kind of sucks if something comes up and there's a lot of um, rigor mole or whatever easier pronounced word is, um, to get through all of the hoops that you need to jump through in order to get a, a deployment out in between. So that ability to do that five times a day or just said more succinctly perhaps um, at the push of a button. Um, I think that's what's important and whether or not you need to do it is, is kind of a side. So all this is DevOps stuff. Is this going to be our solution to the fact that quality is dead, that we see declining quality in software apparently? Is, is that going to be solved by DevOps? Uh, what's this quality is dead thing? Oh, this is kind of a common theme that I see around that people are complaining that they're running into more bugs, that people don't care about their software, they're just throwing stuff over the wall and hoping that people use it. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but there is certainly a perception out there that we as a community have given up on caring about quality. I'm not sure if DevOps would help or hurt if that was a problem a team faced. I think it would help. From the definition that uh, James mentioned earlier, it's encouraging communication, collaboration between the teams. And I like what Simon said about 
caring about what happens to your code once you've done you're done writing it and you know the devops movement is could be seen as a consequence of that it's you know you want something good to happen from your code you want to see how it works and and how you can make it better and you you know want to be surprised at how people are using it in ways that you never expected which means getting it out to people uh, and getting feedback and and getting that communication and devops the devops culture is a good way of uh i think of achieving that and one interesting thing I, I see too at some of these companies you know that have been practicing this stuff for a while is that you know traditionally ops people have pagers and they're on call and if the server goes down at night at 2 a.m. they get the call right some of these companies uh, now those pagers go to the developers and you better yeah, believe let's that not get crazy <laughs> you better believe that my code quality goes off if I'm getting called at 2 in the morning when it crashes this idea of metrics uh, that's something I hadn't considered from a from a DevOps perspective is not just how quickly can I get my code in front of the users is how do I react once it is in front of users. Well, and are they using it the way you expect? Did you just spend two weeks writing this feature and nobody's using it? Right. So it's um, I think it's somewhat common knowledge that users don't know what they really want. They just want to get their work done. So the idea of using metrics to find out how they're using it and to determine what problems they're having, um, that would be not just like logging, but A-B testing and, and heat maps. Has anybody done stuff like that? I worked with clients that have, yeah. And I feel that my software has a large enough audience to really necessitate A-B testing. Interesting, Microsoft has usability labs uh, on campus there. And somebody sits in a room and, and uses the software, and they got some fancy camera that tracks the eye movements, right, and generates a heat map of where on the pages they were looking. I thought that was pretty cool. That would be phenomenal. That's why if you read some of those usability store studies, they always stay at like top left, and they read left to right or something along the left-hand edge. Or I'm not an expert on this, but they kind of use that eye tracking stuff to figure that out. Yeah, you can really um, bury yourself in analytics. It's the nice thing about analytics is that it takes uh, a lot of the guesswork out of something. It's like when you put out an A/B test, and one button's green, one button's red, and the green one gets you know five times as much traffic as the red one. You don't even care what the reason is. It's like, well, this this is the result. Let's make it. The yeah. um, the capture of those analytics to is um, way easier than I think that, like, I mean, the, the heat maps and the, like, the eye tracking and things like that, those are, those are probably really good things as well. From a developer perspective, capturing um, analytics from your code base is actually pretty trivial now with some of the toolkits that they've got with things from, you know, um, there's the SDK from New Relic and the one that uh, ships with Azure, the um, App Insights one or whatever. It's trivial to install these things and start capturing those data, but, the drowning is the problem, right? So some kind of uh, dashboard that gives you right. some way to actually interpret that data. It like it, it needs to be a part of the solution. And I think that's going to become very extremely important from um, either a developer's point of view or an ops point of view, or it probably falls under the DevOps umbrella. But it's going to be really important 
not just to be able to um, collect this data, but have some way of mean, uh, interpreting it in some meaningful fashion for the business. There's not only the log data of how the application is performing from a health perspective, but what are users doing it? There's you know business analytics as well as operational analytics. What do you guys use for that? What tools do you use? I've used Mixpanel for the business analytics. It's and it, it's more or less you define what you want to track. You know, you track uh, an event like uh, this button was clicked or user signed on or password changed or whenever an action happens, you define it and then you can build. There's there's a whole lexicon of terminology, um, build funnels and say how many people completed this goal. I think Google Analytics is very similar in that respect. But that requires quite a bit of instrumentation in your code to say when this button is clicked, you have to have something that says, well, we'll fire this event off. So we've seen a lot of talk today about how DevOps is going to change or ameliorate the selection of tasks we're going to write, and we can use it for ordering our backlog and for doing experiments and things like that. But is it in any way going to change how we code? I think uh, uh, I'll bring this up because we have talked about this a lot. I think feature flags become much more prominent when teams adopt a lot of these DevOps practices. So I think that's one way it might change how we code. Right? Just feature flags, like this feature is turned off until I say it's ready to go? Yeah, because when teams go to a really fast release cadence, they often want to do uh, some practices that people call testing in production, which sounds terrible, but right, like things like canary testing, like uh, I'm going to release fast. But I just want to turn it off on for some subset of my users, maybe just my employees. But I want to put it in, in production, right? And it's slowly turning on for more and more people. And uh, things, practices like feature flags definitely enable some of those scenarios. And that impacts how we code. Remember, um, when you were talking about this, uh, some, I think you called them toggles, though. That sounded like... Um, yeah, toggles. At, at the time, it sounded fairly crazy, but... Um, uh, that's usually what happens when you talk to a mirror. This stuff sounds crazy until you think about it for a while, and then it sounds pretty cool. I think if you look at any of the big like softwares, these companies that deploy very rapidly, uh, right? If you look at any of the kind of the big case studies uh, ones, I think they pretty much all do this uh, feature toggles, feature flags, to be able to push stuff out in the production but not have it light up for everybody all at once. Right, and that definitely changes uh, some of the way we code and we think about structuring our code so we can kind of isolate the spot behind a feature toggle. I'm a big fan of the practice. I love it. Yeah, I think it definitely enables some interesting scenarios. And we've, we've told some good stories before in the past about scenarios in which feature flags have been used to do testing out in the real world, AV testing or load testing uh, in ways that wouldn't be possible with the branching model. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's two discussions around feature flags. I'm not going to drag this into the first one that, that our group debates all the time, which is branching versus feature flags for uh, organizing separate streams to be the same code base. But I think feature flags also have a bunch of, of interesting aspects around when you push it into production, turning it on or off with different groups of people. For example, the Visual Studio Online team, which I work very closely with, right? they do feature flags for everything in their you know TFS Online, and they have... Uh, somewhat well-defined process for, I think it's four groups that the features go through. I can't remember all of them, but they get it deployed to production, and initially they just turn it on for Microsoft employees. Or no, maybe it's, it's just that dev team, VSO dev team, 
And then a second group is all Microsoft employees. And then the third group is all MVPs or ALM MVPs. And then the public, right? So they get progressively more people using it and more feedback and more metrics before turning it on for the world. So they turn it on uh, what, with a configuration and runtime? Yeah, yeah. They got, and, they, and they've, you know, because they've been doing this for a while, they've got some custom admin interface where they can toggle these things on and off. Right. But it could okay. just be simple for the file. A scenario that I, I was thinking of here in terms of something that DevOps is enabling is using more polyglot persistence, like being able to, to not just start, store stuff to a SQL Server, being able to store stuff to multiple different databases, um, and caches, and things like that. And the reason that I feel that that's being enabled by DevOps is that we have now a, a more reliable way of getting that out there, and that's having all these services is something that large deployments have had for a while, but DevOps is enabling that to come down to smaller and smaller deployments, so my application might only be used by 20 people, but now I can set up a cache and a CDN and things like that because I have some method of reliably deploying that. Yeah, it also lends itself well to, um, to microservices to tie in back to of our previous discussions, if you have smaller deployment units and can deploy them quickly, you don't have to, you could deploy several times a day, but not the entire application. Just the little services that you need to. When it becomes, if you're releasing much more frequently, it becomes incredibly important to do no downtime deployments, right? If you're releasing once a month, you can take that down for a few hours in the evening. If you're deploying every hour, you can't have downtime with every deployment. I'll tell you, uh, that's an interesting point, Dylan, because no downtime deployment does affect how you write your code. Because when it comes to changes to your data schema, uh, the, the way we did it at, at the previous project is you have to essentially have two different versions of your objects, a version one and a version two. And your code has to be able to handle both of them. It's like if you read in, you know, a customer and it doesn't have a street address field on it like you're expecting, then you have to have some mechanism for upgrading that customer entity from version one to version two before you can start working with it. So that does affect how you um, write your code. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Like I think I think the VSO team for their data schema changes, I think I think I remember them telling me they did something like this. Right? When they want to change a table, what they do is they do the deployment in a few different steps. And the first step is, is maybe they add a new table that looks like the other one with some code to migrate the data over and keep it in sync. And mm -hmm. then they deploy the version of the code that uses the new table. And then they remove the old table. Right? So that's that, that, that small period of time during the deployment when both tables are actually in use and being kept up to date. All right? And that enables them to do no downtime deployments because otherwise, you know, if you have to do like a data transformation to move the data from kind of one schema to another, that's pretty hard to do while the app's yeah. online. Yeah. So there's there's actually when we did it, it was there's actually two things you had to consider. One is, yeah, you have to have a process of migrating the data from one schema to the other, but also considering that people are using it, so they may load up the application with the old version of it. So you have to have a, a way of upgrading objects. Uh, at at runtime. 
it's really it was an interesting idea. It also means that in your code, we had to have both versions of the object, customer v1 and customer with the old properties and customer v2 with the new properties that couldn't really get removed until the next deployment after that. Like the version one of the customer has to stick around until you deploy the next time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's challenging to do some of those things. Or like if you do a microservices or any kind of like a event-based architecture, when your events uh, get versioned and changed, it's all, who knows how many consumers of those, right? That's, uh, that's a challenge. Yeah, and it's a challenge too if you're on a deployment that has like a lot of data in it. And it's one of those places where if you were to go and run an update on your table, like that's going to take three weeks. So in those scenarios, you have to do things like upgrade on read and that kind of thing. This is where, like, you know, those kinds of things, you need to have sort of additive-only things. You can't delete, and then you can use, like, for weak serializations or something like that. So you're, theoretically, you're never breaking, you're just adding in new events, new behaviors, new properties. I actually think, like, CQRS makes that super easy because you can just additively add things into all of your command eventing side of it, and then you just start rebuilding your read models or added it or changing your read models that now your UI is only going to consume, right? This is, like, again, this is where I think like, the DevOps coming back, like, trying to get back to DevOps. Like, if we're culturally caring when we're building software, like, we care about evolving this thing after gathering information from production, including business and IT in our development. I, like, what are we developing? That, to me, that's always been, to me, sort of the essence of what the DevOps rally call is. Yeah, I think it's, if uh, you really want to see, you know, like you said, if you care about this, how this stuff goes into production, DevOps, the practices and methodologies behind it are a way of getting there. I mean, there are potentially other ways, but, um, and you don't just say, have to say, well, we could just take a DevOps approach unless uh, it's more of like a shorthand uh, of saying, well, we want to be able to automate stuff so we can get stuff out there faster so we can see it. You know, that's it's a lot faster to just say, well, we can DevOps this thing. It's almost like a software pattern. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think you can. Oh, we're going to be a DevOps shop now and have. It's again, yeah, it's a cultural imperative that's got tons and tons of practices which is are associated with, which is exactly what Agile was. You know, the comparison between DevOps and Agile is enormous. Yeah, I see Agile as oh. as um, uh, DevOps is you know get your developers and and testers and and uh, ops people talking better um, but agile is get your dev your dev team and the business talking uh, together so they're almost two sides of the same coin and I said to Dylan, or I, I don't think Dylan, you know if you wanted to become a DevOps shop put a put a infrastructure guy into your your product development team sure so I can Summarize it. We think that DevOps is uh, a combination of tooling and ideas and 
largely communication between various groups within the business and that at least so far we haven't found any huge detractors or any huge reason not to, to follow along the, the DevOps path. Uh, so it's, it's really just a question of examining your organization, seeing what sort of practices you'd like to enable to reach your business goals faster, better, cheaper, I guess. All right, everybody. Thanks for the talk. For everybody listening, if you want to chime in, do you agree with our definition of DevOps? Uh, do you disagree? Uh, do you think DevOps is not a goal? to work towards or the, the DevOps culture, the DevOps ideas are not able to work towards. I would love to hear about that. And that is it for this time. And I'd like to thank everybody who joined in and we'll chat again next time.